Phantom House. It's the place for podcasts. Hey folks, uh, it's Hannah again. Not to inundate you with disclaimers before all these episodes, but we're still experiencing technical difficulties with the microphones causing all that buzz and fuzz and vocal treatments that sound like we are talking to you from tubes. And I just want to apologize for that because this episode's really good and I hope you like it anyway. Um, enjoy. Welcome to the living room. Please make yourself at home. This week, I spoke with Chris Gordon from Roman Candles, but before that, here's our ad. The Living Room is supported by Lauren Records, the little SoCal record label that could. Lauren Records has released so many of her favorite bands, from Walter, etc., to Lear, Joyce Manor, Summer Vacation, Shinobu, and even the best best to come out of an American Legion Hall in Highland Park. They are the place to go for all your favorite DIY records, merch, and apparel. We love Lauren Records, so please buy something from them. Go online at lauren-records.com. And join their record club. It's this really amazing thing that Aaron's putting on. You will receive the next 10 LPs they release. And you also get first dibs and on the rarest variants available. Exclusive record club shirts, pins, other merchandise. And it's a really great deal at an over $150 value. And you get the value of knowing you're helping support the future releases from the album. It's a very real and tangible way to support art and music in the year 2017. And please support art and music now please so go online go to lauren-records.com enter offer code living room for 10 percent off your first purchase again that is offer code living room all one word and you'll get 10 percent off roman candles was super great this week we talked about staying acoustic solo living abroad in the peace corps and being punk and a teacher this episode was really great i've been looking forward to talking to roman candles for a bit and it was just as wonderful as i expected he is wonderful, and I really liked his music for a long time, so I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed this episode. But before we jump in, I would really, really appreciate it if y'all would rate slash review us on iTunes. It would help us a lot if you reviewed us at all. We only have one review right now from Sean Arenas from Pindon Place. He's a dear. Thank you very much. But we would like to overtake the other Living Room podcast, so please review or rate us. Anyway, here we go. Roman Candles is such a good project. You can find their record on romancandles.big cartel.com let's go dudes and enjoy yeah cool cool is that your is that a cheat sheet full of questions yes okay (laughs) gotta gotta have it gotta prepare in front of me i um i did an interview with a band like two weekends ago Mm -hmm. and then um I only brought like five questions because I was going to like submit it to Maximum Rock and Roll and they usually do pretty short interviews. Sure. And then I was like, cool, are you guys cool with everything? And um, they're like, yeah, except um, this one question. Like, can you just edit that out? And I was like, that's the only interesting part of the interview. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. What, so what did know. you ask them? Um, it was just like why they left one label for... Oh, like an, yeah, another that's interesting. Label. Yeah, it was, yeah, because, um, and they were like kind of talking shit a little bit. That's why they wanted to edit it out. That's too bad. No, because that choice is an interesting thing to yeah. do. That's, oh well, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we start with a song and then we'll chat and then it'll be another song and we'll chat some more. Okay. And it'll work like that. Okay, cool. You want Sorry. your water to be closer to you? I'm just going to have a sip first. <laughs> I can't do this. I got it. I got it. It's okay. It's all okay. 
<laughs> Wait, let's let's get you something so that it can be nearby. Oh, that gonna, yeah, that works. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Great. Cool. Cool. Yeah, so you can play whatever you want. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready when you are. Go ahead. Okay. Since that it still hurts I wanna know what makes you wanna die Oh, I wanna be the one who makes you want to be alive I wanna rest my head against your chest I wanna take a deep, deep fucking breath I wanna be the one to hold your hand Oh, I wanna be the one who makes you want to breathe again But I... I only see you with your hair up You'll know me with my mouth shut So can we start by having you introduce yourself and your music? Cool. Um, my name is Christopher Gordon, and this band's called Roman Candles. Cool. So when when exactly did you start playing guitar, and what is like what has been the evolution of this project? Sure. Um, uh, I took guitar lessons for a couple of years when I was ten. Okay. <laughs> but my fingers couldn't, like, they weren't long enough to make the shapes, so yeah. I, I quit. Um, and then I started playing piano when I was, like, 16, and I took piano for a couple years. And then um, my friend Riley Dawson started this band with me when I was 19 and he was 18. And he played guitar and I played accordion. And that was like that for about six months. And then um, I went away to school, and when I came back, um, some other friends wanted to play in the band, mm -hmm. and so we did it as like an electric thing for about a year. And I guess during um, my first year away at school, when I was like twenty, that's when I learned how to play guitar. Yeah, like, and we played electric, yeah, for about a year, and then I just started playing by myself in 2011 like thanksgiving 
2011. So it's been, um, I guess, about six years. Mm. Okay. So then you actually didn't, you actually only started like becoming confident in your guitar playing like sort of like later on in like yeah i would still not say i'm like very confident at guitar but (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i didn't learn how to play guitar until much later Mm -hmm. did that because of that did that change how you thought about guitar playing itself because you didn't necessarily like this wasn't like your first i mean it was your first instrument but like you weren't like playing it regularly and you you mean like after i started playing piano Mm -hmm. yeah just um like piano helped make the guitar um make more sense mm-hmm. if that makes sense <laughs> um yeah just like under, understanding understanding how to play piano really helped learn how to play guitar yeah. so i think i learned how to play guitar much quicker because i knew how to play piano yeah and then the funny thing is is that i've only known th- this project like post 2013 mm-hmm. so you as a one person okay. playing these songs mm-hmm. but they've existed in like a full band format before that and i i don't know how many people know about that iteration of the band either and i'm wondering because a lot of those songs were uh were the same songs from full band to like solo acoustic project and i'm wondering if they changed shape for you because of that switch um I think that by the time I started playing in a full band, like started playing guitar in the band, I was writing most of the songs mm-hmm. so that when I switched it over, um, there, what there wasn't that big of a change when I like decided to just play by myself. Mm-hmm. But, but when it was originally my friend Riley and I, and he kind of left the band, I, I definitely had to write new songs cause I didn't know how to play his guitar parts. Yeah. Was that, when how did you how did you feel about the like the band differently like when the person who's like the core member with you like left and like what motivated you to keep doing it um yeah i was really upset about it because (laughs) we were best friends and it ended on bad terms and we didn't talk for 10 months but um but it was nice to know that like other people wanted it to keep Mm -hmm. going yeah because you had other people who like jumped in and were like i want to do this with you still yeah so that felt really good and um in hindsight i think the fact that he quit the band like forced me to learn how to play guitar Mm. so i'm like thankful that that happened yeah um but i don't i definitely feel like more comfortable playing by myself now okay yeah because you've been doing it for so long now that this is sort of just yeah the way it is mm mm-hmm So, yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. But there's also, like, some old seven inches that exist with, like, full band stuff. I have them. Brandon Kent gave them to me. Oh, yeah. Cool. (laughs) I listened to them before (laughs) this. Awesome. It's it's interesting hearing them because I've only heard the acoustic versions before. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, um, they're pretty bad. Like, the first seven inch we didn't, um... (laughs) We didn't even know we like it's not mastered. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that yeah. was something no, yeah, you're I supposed to do. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a learning process. The whole thing. Yeah, this whole it's thing. charming though. Like I don't know, it it shows you at every stage, I guess, mm-hmm. which is something you don't always get with musicians. Totally. And I really like seeing growth, especially just because that gives context for how other people, like how other people work, and how how in your own art when you're making something like you're not the only one who's like changing and growing and stuff and everyone else is doing that too and so yeah it's nice but it, i was 
because in those those seven inches um i actually have one. <laughs> oh yeah it's right here okay but you have like you had all this like ephemera that you put in with your seven inches and in this one specifically you sort of talked about your motivation for making your records and your songs and not everyone does that and i've always admired how upfront you are with like what your songs are about and you talk about them very specifically mostly because i know a lot of i've talked to a lot of musicians now through this podcast and sometimes people will say i they don't want to like talk about the details of a certain song or project because they want to leave it open to interpretation for anyone else who hears it and also i'm sure part of that is also motivated by like wanting to keep your cards close and like the the normal anxiety of like explaining your art and i totally get that but also i'm i'm now i'm definitely in the camp of be specific as possible because other people will see you and you will be heard and understood and then it'll help other people who are having that journey also so i've always liked that about your music (laughs) cool was that something that you were always doing though um i think i've done it for like everything i've put out on record like Mm -hmm. there's usually yeah there's usually song explanations um especially if the song is a little more politically motivated i try to i try to tell people what it's about is that because you want people to hear the message or okay yeah yeah i just think it's important to to let people know like why you're writing and what you're writing yeah and why you're doing what you're doing especially a lot of your songs are very specific to like place and what's going on in in like the na- like the place you grew up and like different laws that are getting passed in like various places you've seen or been to and i'm glad you do it because like so much of that can get lost just in the f- the nature of when you hear something, you don't always hear all of the thing that you're listening to. Yeah, totally. Um, I think D- Defiance Ohio did that, yeah, like with a lot of their records, and I th- probably stole it from that. <laughs> but um, I mean, they're not the first ones. <laughs> sure, sure. But that was who you were listening to. Yeah, probably like when this band started. Mm. Hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. I just think it's important. But like, if it's just like um. Like on on the full length album for like if it's just like love songs, I usually there's no need. <laughs> it's like I can I can understand why someone might not want to talk about their songs. I mm-hmm. get it, but um yeah, I think if it's like politically motivated, it helps to add some context. Yeah, it, it not only does it add context, get it, but it makes I think it forces the listener to be like, oh yeah, there's because we go to a, often we'll like go to a show to like relax from the day to day life, but uh i don't know like it's nice political art is uh, is what we should all be doing i feel but i don't always engage in art that way just because the way i i I approach things personally is like i'm trying to escape or like provide i don't know i don't want to say distraction i want to say a nicer word than that but that that feeling like oh there's other stuff going on and it'll be okay that sort of thing sure but i think your art is always like push me to be thinking about other things well thanks that's yeah. a nice compliment <laughs> um can you play something else please T- totally yeah yes um. <laughs> 
When we fight, you always win. And when I'm wrong, I always am. You can call your sister for some advice, but you still go to bed angry at the end of the night. When it hurts, it fucking stings But you're the only one who puts up with me So I'll stick around if you'll stick around Thanks. So I'm. So you went to the. You were in the Peace Corps for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has that, I guess, changed your relationship to your art making here? Um, I think it. Okay, so it's been like probably five years since no four, four and a half years since the last record came out. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest change was that I'm like okay with taking a little more time. If it's if it's gonna sound better, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I have a new album that's like written and recorded. Okay, oh, and <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so I guess I guess it just changed it in the fact that I was okay with taking a longer break. Mm. That I didn't feel like there was like a rush. I don't think there's this big demand of people waiting for the next album to come out. So there I just uh, I just I just wanted it to sound to sound a little bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so just trying to take more time with songwriting and and yeah. get better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it Can you speak to anything specifically? Like is it you just want things to sound a certain way or you want to sit on different songs for a longer amount of time because you want to like fiddle with them more? Or like- I guess I just wanted the best batch that I could write. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like really taking the time to edit and yeah. look at what look mm-hmm. at what you're making. And- yeah, so maybe like write five songs and then like pick the best one and then like write a few more and mm. so just, just really trying to like have the best collection of songs. Is there is there like a theme going through this new batch of songs? Um... That so is it's, different? It's going to be called Can I Kiss You? And mm-hmm. it was, yeah, I guess I wanted the theme to be about, like, consent and respect and things that, like, politicized me as a young person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, but there's, like, there's a lot of, like, just just love songs on yeah. there, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I, 
But you spent where I, I'm for, I feel bad because I'm forgetting. That's what, okay. What, I, I taught English in Colombia for two years. I, I thought it was mm-hmm. Colombia, but I wasn't sure. And yeah. I didn't want to say the wrong country. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, how, how was that? That's not a specific question, but I hope it will develop into specificity when I have a greater grasp on what you're thinking about when you think of that time. Sure. Um, Yeah, it was a really good experience. I got to travel a lot. Mm -hmm. I learned Spanish. Um, I fell in love. I got to learn all about Colombian culture. Um, I got to share American culture with with Colombians. Um, I had like a, an after school skateboard group that oh. I skateboarded with kids um, a few days a week, which was cool. Um, and yeah, I still want to teach after, which I think it turned yeah. a lot of people off maybe Definitely. from teaching. Um, I know a lot of people who like go through like teachers programs and they're like, oh, maybe I didn't want to be a teacher. Yeah. So that's good to hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm still still trying to do that. Yeah did did it make did it give context to like your life here more because it's, was this the first time you've been out of the country for an extended period of time? Yeah, for an extended okay. period of time. I I've traveled before, mm-hmm. but um yeah, this was the first time where I really lived abroad, and um it made me grateful for yeah. like everything we have and. But also, yeah, it just made me, um, I was really homesick for a lot of it, but, um. What did you miss? Oh, uh, my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, going to shows. Was, I, I remember, like, occasionally seeing you, like, review shows that you went to in Colombia, but it felt like that you were having, you were struggling with that. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. There was, um, like we just happened to be in the right city on the right day and there was like a punk metal slash hardcore festival. And so um, I caught like one band at that cause it was free. Mm. And then in the city that we were living near, there was like an indie rock festival um, one year and we went to that and I probably caught like four bands. But besides that, um, it was just like a lot of lo- local music. So not like necessarily rock and roll type stuff, but it was cool. Um, I got to learn a lot of a lot of different styles of music, and I learned how to dance. And <laughs> so, what kind of dance? Oh, like salsa. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you good at it now? No, no. I, oh. But but like I can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where? What what was like the prevailing music scene in Colombia like then? Like, what were you hearing in the air often? Like different genres and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, they have they have a, a ton. Um, Bayanato, champeta, cumbia, salsa, merengue. It's it's there's a lot of different music yeah. down there. So um, yeah, just a lot of different rhythms and different instruments. And yeah, it was cool. It was a really good experience. Was there a place that you would like find your like? Were you going to see music at all? Like often or no not necessarily okay. like during carnival they would have live bands play mm-hmm. like in our towns and travel around the city and stuff um but but for the most part if we were gonna like go out there would usually just be a pa and they would be playing music and y- you could go dance and drink okay. or whatever mm-hmm. so it was a lot more of a social like interactive thing mm-hmm. if there was music playing it wasn't so much like people watching someone it was more of like they yeah provided music that you could like make 
mm-hmm. you could dance to it. Yeah, it would like, be like going to a bar and okay. just going to go dance at a bar. Did that make you think about how you write songs? Because um, so much of uh, music here is like, especially like the punk scene that we exist in, it's like you go to a show and you watch people play and it's very like audience performer. Like you want, it's like you're you're watching like a stage play almost, whereas like this sounds like there's more going on in in this space sure um it could it could have Mm. and maybe it should have but um (laughs) (laughs) no this new album that i wrote is just acoustic guitar and and vocals well i mean does it even shape like how you want to write songs um not necessarily okay um because a lot of the rhythms and stuff intimidate me i don't think Mm. i'm a good enough musician to necessarily play it's more just you don't think you can do that type of playing? Yeah, and I think I've gotten more comfortable doing what I'm doing. To, okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to get yeah. better at that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a very good player. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> Thanks, Karina. Uh, okay. So you come back from two years in Columbia. Mm-hmm. And I was at that first show that you played at VLHS. Mm-hmm. Around the time you would come back? Sure. How weird was it? <laughs> um, or how the same was it even? It felt really cool because the show was really crowded. Mm-hmm. And um, my girlfriend Barbara came mm-hmm. and she had never seen me play before. So there was like, you know, like 150 or 200 people there or whatever. And I'm like, it's not normally like this. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It felt special. And there were a lot of friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. But um, I, w- I was really nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did you play? Did you have a good access to a guitar at all when you were in Columbia? Yeah, I brought my okay. guitar with me. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So, so this, this new record was like probably 80% of it was written while I was... Okay, While I was cool. down there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you got back. It was mostly just you hadn't played like in front of people who were like come to see you play in mm-hmm. a long time. And it had been that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, that was a big show. <laughs> there were so many people. Totally. And I, it was funny because you stood, you did, you uh, bucked the norm and you stood on top of the skate ramp to play rather than. Uh, that was a technical difficulty. Was it really? Yeah. I couldn't. Um, I had like an acoustic adapter to plug into an amp and it was broken. Oh. So that was not my first choice. Oh. Well, it it played off well. Oh, We always bought it as like an artistic choice. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, it, ma- it made it feel like you were like, I don't know, disrupting the, how how that space was oh, okay. in, that, that, in that evening i'm like yeah cool that's <laughs> nice to it. know <laughs> also it was good because then i could we all could see you sure it gets sure. crowded in there totally okay. and there's not like a real stage so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you go through that thing where when you move back home from living somewhere else that you're like everything is the same and um, i feel different yeah, well, it's just, um, I think when you, when you're away for a long time, you, and you come back, you kind of like hope that people are going to ask you like how it was. And, um, if they do, they don't really care or they don't, and no fault to their own, but they don't necessarily know the right questions to ask mm. or they don't, yeah, they don't know how 
to ask you like how the last two years were. Yeah. And they just kind of want to hang out with you, which is totally fine. And um, that's something that like we talk about before we leave Peace Corps, like reverse culture shock and what to expect when you get back. Oh, they actually like have a thing about that. Yeah, yeah. We have like a um, they they kind of try and prepare us for everything. So that's good to hear. I didn't know that they did that. Mm-hmm. Huh. What what would be this is this is a funny question as an interview, but what would be the right question to ask someone that is moving? back home and i know that's sort of like an ethereal feeling but so i think just like a lot of people will just like ask like how was it and it's like i I don't know where to start because that was two years of my life it's two years of your life yeah but um i don't know like what like did you live with a host family what kind of food did you eat Mm -hmm. like what were your class sizes like you know you know there's a lot of specific questions um that that someone might ask just about someone's trip in general like what did you eat while you were there was um, it ups like yeah I, you're a mild-mannered person so <laughs> i'm i'm sure you weren't like ups like upset upset when like these people weren't interacting with you that way but i'm sure there was like disappointment or like i don't know there it's hard to quantify what i mean yeah no i understand your question um no i don't think i don't think i was disappointed necessarily and because i moved back with someone who served in the peace corps with me Mm. we just had each other to like (laughs) vent yeah um (laughs) like could you could you believe that they didn't ask me (laughs) like i haven't seen them in two years and they didn't even ask me how it was um so yeah i don't know i think i was lucky maybe luckier than other people in my transition Mm. Were because you said eighty percent of those songs, these new songs, were mm-hmm. written when you were abroad. Um, because ba- just based on your previous album, like how all of those songs are very based on place, and like specifically your Belinda and like Orange County and what's going on there. Was there any of like Columbia coming through, like in things like you mentioned in um, like the songwriting? Good question. Not not in the way you might think, but maybe. Um... There's, there's like one song that to me is like about the Peace Corps and another song about um, someone, someone we served with. But for the most part, no, I would mm. say not necessarily. You wouldn't listen to the album and be like, oh, this album's all about Columbia. <laughs> Unless you ask specifically. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, so in that case, when you start writing a song, is it? Is it like you see something like where where does what is the impetus to like write something about something? Is it a specific moment and you're like, oh, I'm going to capture that feeling or is it something else? Um, I think I think it it depends. Sometimes I just have like the right chords and I'll try to add lyrics to it. But then you, you can sometimes tell when they're forced or they don't sound very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just try and rewrite the song until it sounds better. Other times I'll have lyrics first. And then try and try and come up with chords, um, and in terms of like, yeah, sometimes if I'm writing like a political song, I'll try and write about something that's upsetting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is uh, I guess the political songs. Is it? Do you write those like in the moment, or are those like usually not always? Okay. And because um. It will have been like four, almost five years between these two records. Mm -hmm. Like some of these songs I wrote four years ago. Okay. 
yeah. by the time the album comes out. So, um, no, not, not necessarily. And just because they're new to other people doesn't necessarily mean they're new to, like, yeah. they're new. Yeah, if that course. makes sense. <laughs> uh-huh. How does that make you feel about your own songs then? Since you have so much, like, time to sit on them, do you... Because I, I know you still you still like like your art, but is there a sense of like separation like internally for you when something is very old and you're you have to not have to play, but you play it over and over people who treat it like it's the first time they've heard it? Sure. Um I think that I'm already playing song like newer songs that aren't gonna be on this album. Mm. And and maybe I don't I don't know. Cause I think it would be different if i was like a bigger band and people were like waiting for something but um because most of the people who come to shows are seeing me for the first time i feel like that it doesn't really matter so i just have freedom to play whatever i want and so if i write a song and i'm playing a show um coming up i can just play the song Hmm. you know the new song right away and so i that gives me a lot of time to like practice songs live before i record them (laughs) what do you when you record do you play like everything at once yeah i guess for people that might listen to this um it would be the same where we just have the guitar mic'd and and a vocal mic hmm. mm-hmm. okay uh, it just makes sense yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it's the most straightforward way to go for yeah. you especially especially um i guess i also wanted to know um regarding like your older songs being around for so long do you are there certain songs you like don't want to play anymore because of like how much time has passed between them and what do you do with those like old songs if that's the case um so i i did like a three-week tour over the summer and there was like one show where someone asked to hear something older Mm -hmm. and i i tried but i just didn't remember how to play it (laughs) so um, so there's that (laughs) yeah and i remember like my favorite band growing up was this band called the henry clay people and they were always putting out new albums and writing new songs like really quickly. And I would always ask them to play older songs at shows and they just wouldn't. And it always upset me. So, um, anytime that someone like wants to hear something, I will try and like fake my way through it if I can't remember how to play it. I will do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just because, um, if that's something someone wants to hear and they're paying to go to your show, you should play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand if like you're a bigger band with a set list and it's like a big production, but this isn't, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to play an older song. And I don't have like, yeah, I feel like if I'm going to write it and record it and it meant something to me at the time, I don't feel like any of those songs on that last album. I'm like, I don't know. They're not precious in that way. No, it was just like a, that's just how I felt in that moment. Hmm. That's such a, I don't know. That's good to hear. You know, like, cause I know there's a lot of people who it can get very emotionally wrapped up in their art, which is fine. And I don't want to like critique anyone who feels that way, of course. But I mean, that can be a lot to like bear like on yourself all the time. If that's something you're doing. Sure. Um, I think I do a good job of detaching. Yeah. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. Can you play another song, please? Yeah. All right, this is a Henry Clay people song. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 
Over your driveways and underneath your fences Higher than highways, that was where you left us We were born of means, or somewhere in between Once pacing around and one's going gray You kept it a secret, kept in a cage One was a faker, the rest of us were fakes but our mothers and our fathers gave us faces no one remembers. It's time we were trying to keep our heads together. Yes, we were. So stop making sense of all the senseless. Stop getting wrecked with all the reckless. No one here believes in accidents We are one in a million, we are one in the same We are one for each other, with the other one to blame One was a faker, the rest of us were fakes But our mothers and our fathers gave us faces no one remembers it's time we were trying to keep our heads together, yes we were. And so we tried to pass the time, yeah we came to make our peace. A little peace of mind worth fighting for, a little fight left up our sleeves. But our mothers and our fathers made promises that can't be kept. It isn't their fault, but it's their problem. We're overschooled, better fed, stuck in debt. Why are they your favorite band? Or uh, why were they your favorite band? Sure. No, I would say they still are. Okay. Um, two, two of the guitar players, uh, Joey and Andy Ciara, went to my high school. They're a few years older than me. And so they were like the local band that I really mm. loved growing up. Um, I've probably seen them play live more than any other band. Okay. And um, yeah, I just really, really, really love that band. Close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. And then... uh. You mentioned how how it's being a teacher is can be difficult and disheartening, especially if you don't know if you want to do that, and then it's a whole journey to get to the place where like I'm gonna be a teacher. How has being a teacher shaped the way you feel about music and also punk and how you feel about identifying as both of those things um I don't know. Okay. <laughs> is maybe the most honest answer. Um, I don't know if it's something that I would like share necessarily with my students, but yeah, I think it kind of informs like punk informed my politics mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure I bring those politics into the classroom. Yeah. And as a history teacher, just the sorts of things that I think are important to teach that, maybe get left out of the textbook or the sorts of like primary documents and other sources I try and bring into the glass, the classroom. What Um, grade level do you teach? I'm teaching seniors and sophomores right now. 
Um, okay. <laughs> so w- world history, economics, yeah. and government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very relevant. <laughs> so you so you mentioned on the seven inch of your live band that you are now a teacher and how you have to give you have to tell kids to go to the Nixon Memorial Museum, which you never or Memorial Library and Museum. Yeah, Library Museum, both, both. And you never went there because that's a questionable place to go to and give money to as a as a person and throughout your young life. And now you teach about this figure and you offer extra credit to, for kids to go there, but you want them to go on a free day or you recommend to go on a free day so they don't fiscally support them. So that's like I find that's like one example, but like it informs like the rest of your teaching practice, I'm sure. Sure. So do do you want me to talk about that that yeah. example? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um that was like while I was student teaching, so that was an assignment from a master teacher where they had to go to the Richard Nixon Library in Norbelinda. And um there was a free day. I think they maybe do like a couple a year coming up. So yeah, we just try to encourage them to not to not nest to not to not spend money as any teacher would if there yeah. if there was a free day on anything like yeah, go no of course like go when it's free yeah exactly but um yeah i don't think that R- richard nixon is necessarily like a a president who who i would want to support um so yeah i think just trying to make your students aware um about their community and where they come from mm-hmm. and what else is going on do you um, often try and contextualize what you teach, what you have to teach in your history classes, like through like a a modern lens or like a lens where you like insert sort of like a modern context to things, especially for I guess the seniors who like have a better grasp on what's going on in the day to day and how that can relate to like real life things they experience. Sure, yeah, I think it's important to to bring in current events as much as possible. Um, I know that when I was a senior in high school doing economics and government, we had to do current events every week. And I think that, I think that students can get a lot out of that. And does that, does that answer your question? It does. But I'm also wondering, like, do you ever run into things where like, cause you, you make a curriculum, but you're also like given a curriculum and how, like, what is, what is the the, the flexibility yes. be- between what you can bring into the classroom and what you have to teach? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that most good teachers try and try and personalize their teaching and bring in what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And um, if that's current events or local politics, then then and you can bring those into the classroom to make the lessons more engaging. Then I think you should. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I've only been teaching um at this school for a week, so I don't have like a ton of <laughs> a ton of examples. Sure, no, it's okay. I I'm I'm just I if I know any teachers, I know that they're like thinking about that kind of thing all the time. Yeah. They're like, what is the how am I affecting these kids? Totally. So I just wanted to know what is going on in your brain about mm-hmm. that. Um, mostly right now I'm just trying to get the kids to focus and pay attention. We're because you just started out of school. Mm-hmm. It's the, technically like the middle of the year for them. Yeah, so they're two months in. I'm taking over for a long-term sub who they That's really liked. And um, it's at a school that is 90% Latino mm-hmm. and I am white. Mm-hmm. And here comes this like 
little white kid trying to take control of the classroom. Yeah. And it's uh it's been a rough week. I'm sure. <laughs> I hope I hope they learn to trust you. You're a good you're a good person. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Karina. <laughs> um but I do want to ask about because I forgot actually until you mentioned it, the the tour you went on this summer. I mm-hmm. completely forgot you went on a tour. How was that? How was touring for the first time in forever probably? It was cool. Um I brought my girlfriend Barbara along with me, so I feel like I got to see tour for through like her lens for the first time because she had never been on something like that. What do you mean? Like um the lens s- of what? So I think like lots of times once you start touring more and more often it just becomes like normal. Um so I think for it to be fresh and exciting again, it can be really nice to take someone new mm. with you. Um and yeah, it was it was awesome. We I mean, this is someone who I traveled all over South America with and is my best friend. And so to travel in a different context mm-hmm. was really exciting. This kind of leads me to my next standard question, which is what was what is the best show you've ever played? And what is like the weirdest thing that's ever happened at a show you've played at? Could be on that tour. Could be any any number of the shows you've played in your life. What, what comes to mind? Um, Sure. I'm trying, well, I think like the best show, maybe the most well-attended show I ever played was like that Joyce Manor show at Chain Reaction, which sold out. And this was maybe in 2012, maybe in 2013. I think I went to that show. That might be one of like the first times I ever saw you play. Okay. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, also like the first show we ever played was with, um, this this band called Limbeck that we really loved at I the time. Been. Yeah, you've heard them? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. And it was a really big deal for us because that was our first show and they were really big. Yeah. Um <laughs> and I think we only got on that show because they thought we were a touring band called The Roman Candles. Yeah. And so um somehow we got on this show and our friend Ian, who loved Limbeck, like flew down from Portland for the show and it was really special and all our friends came. And um and then our second show, this is like January 2009, we played with Andrew Jackson Jihad and Joyce Manor and Kepi Gooley in LA. And um, that was also like really well attended. So those were the first two Roman Candle shows. And I thought like, damn, like I'm this doing, what every show's yeah, gonna be. I'm doing pretty good booking. And then uh, by the time we played our like third or fourth show, it like reality kind of set in. And um, so I don't know. I don't know if I have a weirdest show, mm-hmm. but just um, I think those usually happen on tour where you don't necessarily know the bands you're going to play with. Yeah. And just um, getting to, yeah, getting to, getting to see different local scenes and different, um, different bands. Is there anything like specific that has happened where you're like, oh, this is a funny situation I find myself in? Um, pr- Probably. I don't know if a story's coming to mind right now, but I think um I think just I really like playing like with bands. Yeah. And I think because I play acoustic by myself, I often like especially on tour get get put on all the acoustic shows and it just um really drags. Like sure. they're just kind of boring to me. 
to sit there through like five acoustic acts is kind of rough. Um, <laughs> so I think like touring is like lots of times, like just like night after night of that. It is a grind. Yeah, that is it can, it can be, it can be rough, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're meeting all these new people and, and seeing all these places you haven't seen before. And yeah, tours a funny thing of like highs, extreme highs and extreme lows mm-hmm. and just doing that for however long you're doing that every day. Sure. Which is I, absurd. <laughs> I, agree, I agree with that statement. It's an, abs- it's an absurd lifestyle. Yeah, totally. It's not something I would want to do like for my job. Yeah. Yeah. Like professional, not professional. I mean, people who are like touring constantly. Mm-hmm. I guess that's, that is their life. I'm just like, how? Yeah, how totally. How do you maintain that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um. Can people find your music on the internet still? N- no. Okay. Um, no. Okay. Pl- Planet X was was had it up on Bandcamp, and that's not a thing that's anymore. A thing. So it it's a uh, it doesn't exist. Will you put things up eventually somewhere? I um yeah I might put I might put the new album up on Bandcamp. Um, Please do. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think I'll put older stuff up. That's fine. um. Yeah, as far as like that last record, there's like 30 copies left and then like a few tapes, but it's almost gone. And I'm like, okay with that being a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh start Mm -hmm. in like every respect. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cool. Do you, do you, will there be, because we usually give someone like everyone a a band camp to go to. Do you know of a... Sure. An online <laughs> location uh, to 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 buy to buy the record. Yes. Yeah. That um, I have a a big cartel. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, ro- RomanCandlesMusic.BigCartel.com. There it is. <laughs> that'll that'll have it. Um, and yeah, I've got records and tapes and stuff up up on there. Cool. And um, sorry, I still, I still sometimes update a blog called. I used to do a zine called The Stowaways, and um, that blog handle was taken. So it's fuckthestowaways.blogspot.com. <laughs> that's why you... I didn't realize that's why you named it the blog that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you update it occasionally. Yeah. Whenever there's something going on with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Do you feel good, Chris? I do. Okay. Uh-huh. Can you play us out with one more, please? Yeah. Thanks, Karina. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ryan always thought that she'd make it to the top But she never wants to dance when she's falling apart And so she kissed me like she did When I was reading in her bed And Ryan used to play the bass in some high school band Me and her were always smoking pot before band practice And I'm in love with Ryan And she's in love with me Oh, but I wish that I could still make her blush like I did when we were teens. Making out in a lazy blanket for a rough house in on the trampoline like some contact sport. 
And Ryan always thought that she'd make it to the top But she never wants to play when she's falling apart And so she kissed me like she did When I was lying in her bed And Ryan loved to sing in that high school band She was always writing songs that went way over my head And on the weekends we would play Zombies ate my neighbors on her Super Nintendo In her living room for hours And Ryan always thought that she'd make it to the top But she never wants to sing when she's falling apart And so she kissed me like she did When I was sleeping in her bed Oh Ryan how I wish that you were real That I didn't make you up like I do every other girl Because Ryan, well I know that we could be Inseparable forever, oh if only It didn't just exist in my stupid fucking dream Thank you, Chris. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Living Room. This week, our guest was Roman Candles, and you can find their vinyl record at romancandles.bigcartel.com. The Living Room was created by Lucas Cathy and Karina Taylor, recorded by Matt Sturgis, Jeremy Scott at the Palisades, and produced by Hannah Moraz. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you prefer. If you have questions or you'd like to chat with us, email thelivingroompodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Special thanks goes to Chris Tanaguchi for helping our social media, the residents of the Palisades for dealing with our noise, and of course, thank you for listening. Thank you.